Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Donuts. How's the donut? Good, big fan. All right. So uh, we're in a series called um, Stuff Paul Said. And today we're talking about doors. And I had this discovery that I'm a, I like doors more than I thought. Similar to like I like uh, roads. I like new roads. I got this from my old man over here. We'd be driving somewhere and my dad would say like, oh, what's down that road? And like, what? You know, as a teenager, like, Dad, we just want to get the Dairy Queen. Well, what if there's a new way of getting the Dairy Queen? And so, um, but now I do the same thing. I'll be driving, and I'll see this new, like, I found a new whole neighborhood in Carlton, right? I'm a big fan, big fan of Carlton. There's a whole new, like, development I didn't know. Simply because I was driving by, I'm like, oh, I wonder what that road is. I'm like, oh, I'm my old man. It's, it's just, you know, you do something like, oh, I'm Denny, right? Um, even like my dad and I are talking about when we go to the, um, my family's cabin, it's like, my dad's like, well, have you tried going this way? I'm like, oh, I'll go like a totally random way. It'll take me three hours longer, but I'll go through this town that I've never heard of, right? And I'll talk to people. It's just like, it's like what I like doing. But I was thinking about this message. I'm thinking like, I really love doors, which I don't know too many people that are like get excited about doors, but like doors, um, comes up in my favorite book. Anyone else read Name of the Wind? King Killer Chronicles? No, okay, thank you. All right, we're going to be there. I can always count on Brett. Yeah. Uh, but there's like the stone doors, right? In the third book that I know is written, but he's holding on to it so he can make millions of dollars, all that stuff. There's these stone doors that they allude to, and you're like, what's behind the stone doors? And there's a whole community on Reddit about stone doors. Um, I, um, when I was a teen, not a teenager, when I was a preteen, we went to the Met Center. Is that where the um, North Stars used to play? Right? Went to the Met Center. My mom was there for a Benny Hinn. <laughs> revival conference, <laughs> and um, love you, mom. And uh, we got to go early. We got to go early, and um, we ran. Mike Cock and I ran around the Met Center. Of course, what do you do? You check every door. Well, we found one door that led to another door that led us to the visiting team locker room, and we were really polite and did nice things in there. Right? When you're like in a kid, you're in a place you don't know. You just feel like alive. You're like, this is what life feels like. Um, uh, doors have a way of, like, new discoveries. Doors have a way of keeping you safe. Uh, <laughs> I'd walk by my grandma's house um, when she lived in Cotton, and there was a door that led to the basement. And this basement, um, I think, is the scariest place I've ever been to. Like, you walk down, it's cold, and it has, like, that, that really creepy basement smell. And it's where the bathtub was, and that was scary. But then there was, like, one light, and it was, like, the light if you were, like, a, a, a police officer that was going to, like, interrogate someone and then, like, like get, like, a cigarette and burn them. Like, where's my money? It was, like, that kind of light, right? <laughs> Very specific kind of light. So I'd walk by that door, and I would feel, um, like, a sense of safety because the door is shut. I don't get interrogated. My grandma did not burn me with cigarettes either. Just a Mert. Oh, Mert's still alive. Mert, <laughs> we love you. Um, uh, doors can bring um, relief, right? If you have young kids, right? I, I remember, um, <laughs> I, I, like, you could go to the bathroom, 
right? Because it was like your little kingdom, and you could shut the door. And even if the kids would put their fingers on the door, it's like, Daddy, Daddy, please. And you're like, I don't care. I have two inches. Between you and I, I can breathe. I have my own space. Like, doors can bring a whole, <laughs> clearly, a whole variety of feelings. And today, um, we're reading uh, out of Romans 5. And Eugene Peterson, who um, tra- did a translation called The Message, he adds this word doors, this idea of these new discoveries. And this is like a verse that I read when I was um, a sophomore in Bible college. Oh, <laughs> this is in my notes. Another thing about doors is when I was, I don't know why I'm telling this, and I even had an easy out. I was an RA in college, and I was um, in Bible college, college full of Bibles. And um, on the dorm level, you, you clearly, m- women cannot come on the men's side, right? Because the Bible's clear. You can't, like, hang out with the opposite sex. And so, um, but as the RA, I had my own room. I didn't have to share with anyone. And my door was right next to the door of when, where people could come in. And I would sneak a woman in there as much as possible. And that was now my partner. <laughs> That's my, my wife. And what do we do behind those doors? Read your Bible, pray every day. That's what we did. Yeah. Bible, college full of Bibles, Bible college. Um, So back to the actual point. Paul talks about um, this door. And this is one of those um, times where I've read the Bible. There's times where I read the Bible and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And there's times where um, if it's in the Bible or it's in nature or it's in in some experience where you just like have like a aha moment. It's like a landmark experience. And when I was a freshman or sophomore, I read this verse and it's like opened up this... um, whole new way of existing, this whole new way of being in relation with God. Because previously, I had the gospel of if and when, right? Gospel of if and when is like, I'll be worth God, I'll be worth the love of God if I will experience forgiveness when. And that just led to a whole life of shame, and it never felt enough. And when I read this verse, I finally thought like, well, maybe there's just a different way Maybe there's a way of existing with God that can be something different than what I previously knew. And here's, oh, did I, I have it, yeah. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. It says this. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, we have, all, we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when when we are hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges to tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. And that part of, like, it evokes, like, um, movement. It evokes energy. It evokes this, this action of uh, that we, we have to open this door and we have this awareness that this door has always been open. It's never been shut. And there's this idea of being in wide open spaces that we're yelling to the skies, right? And then there's the walking through pain. And there's, like, our containers are being filled up with all this from, from this generous God. And when I read this, my aha moment was that door was always open, which led me for many of years to this day thinking about the why, did, why was there ever a door? 
if the door's always been open, like you open the door and you're like, oh, it's, it's always been open. Who put that door there? Right? The only fingerprints on that door is me. We, and maybe I'm not alone, but it's easy for us to construct this space of where we make things true that might, uh, might not always be true. And in that space, we have control, we have certainty, we know what to expect, uh, we have a place of belonging, we know how to rest, we know how to answer all those questions. And maybe you dream of someday, I wonder what's behind that door. But when you have the gospel, if and when, like you think, well, it's not my way, it's not, it's not my place to judge what could be out there because there's a good God and God will take care of me and I don't need to, I don't need to ask those questions, I don't need to go through that door, I should just be happy with what I have now. Then there's people, also like me, of where you don't feel worthy to go through that door, right? It's like, I, I don't have what it takes to get through that door. Or I'm afraid of opening that door. Because what if I open that door and there's um, just a brick wall? And this cruel God was just joking the whole time. What if I open the door? Like, I, have a, I had a friend whose dad would work overnights, and if we were too loud, like at like 11 in the morning, and you know, he had to sleep, that's understandable, but he would yell from the top of the stairs at us little kids and... He was very angry. And when I think sometimes of unhealthy view of God, I think of God yelling at the top of the stairs, yelling at me, opening the door, and God yelling, who do you think you are opening that door? Who do you think you are? Do you think you're worth walking out in these wide open spaces? Get back in. And so then there's times of where uh, that, that whole idea of, of, of thinking I'm not worth comes from this, this idea of this theology of depravity, right? That I'm, I'm just not worth that. Like, God, thank God that God murdered his son, right? And then, then, then there's blood, because then I'm lucky. There's just enough, for, enough of love for me just to kind of squeak by. When we, when we start at a place of depravity or original sin, that can be a toxic view of viewing yourself, because at the deepest part of you is something unlovable. At the deepest part of you is something dark. It's something to be detested. And we have, like, in our songs or in... Um, in some of our readings, we, the, we, can, we can, like, normalize this, right? Like, we're wretched sinners, or we're not worth it, or um, even the idea of singing about how thirsty we are, that can be positive, but can also be taken as, like, I don't have enough now. There's not enough for me now. Why? Because I'm already behind the eight ball. I'm already behind. I'm already not worth that kind of love. I was talking with a friend um, who's going through this beautiful but difficult um, evolution in their life, not just their faith, but in their life. And um, some might call it um, disorder. Some people call it deconstructing their faith, deconstructing, like, um, their philosophy. And they were talking just how hard it is. And I started sharing of, like, well, when I was going through that, and maybe to a sense we're always going to be going through it, right? I don't always. <laughs> I mean, I don't wish it. I, this is a tangent. I saw someone yesterday on Twitter say people who go through deconstruction, which in our community there's been a lot, there's been a lot of people um, who are going through it. And one person said, uh, people go through deconstruction just so that they can sin, uh, not feel bad about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's why people, like, spend, you know, 20 years in a faith community and just wake up one day and say, you know what, it'll be really fun, it'll be really good to question everything and then be isolated from my family and friends and, you know, people call me some horrible person, right? Like, that would be really, that would be fun. Like, no one, there's been no one that I've known or met that said, yeah, just one day I decided to just throw it all away. Like, it arises in you. And for some people, it's very clear. For other people, it doesn't really um, go through all the same way, and that it all belongs. Um, but my friend, who's going through deconstruction, I was able to t encourage him and say, for me, what 
help move through that door um, was to believe that I'm really good. Like, I'm really good, and not in a self-conceited way, but the deepest part of me is not some wretched sinner. The deepest part of me is not something to be um, disgusted. It's something that's beautiful. The deepest part of me is, is love. The deepest part of me is God, and God is love. And God says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And if I started a place that I'm good, we use the word often here, good and beautiful, right? If I, if I really, truly believe, even when hard things happen, even when I do evil things, still can't touch and move the fact that I'm already good. And that helps me move throughout this world, trusting that there's nothing that's going to happen that God's going to come and pull that away. There's nothing that I can do, nothing that Steve can do. There's nothing anyone else can do to rip it away. And when you have the confidence or you have the aha moment to open that door and you realize that door's always been open and you move into these wild spaces, you move into these wide open spaces, there's freedom in that. There's a sense of belonging. And even in, in, um, in the different translation, what Paul says is that um, we have the right to approach God. And this is like a temple term. This is like a temple phrase of um, where they believed where heaven and earth met, where the divine and like blood and guts intersected um, in the Holy of Holies. There was only a, a person at a specific time, specific rituals that they had the right to approach. And Paul's saying, like, you, Nate, have the right to approach. What Paul's saying is this is not just some feeling. This is not just some, like, doesn't give you the goosebumps. I mean, these wide open spaces. He's saying this is the reality. This is where we live. You, Jamie, have the right to approach God. God in its fullness. God um, in her full, wonderful, beautiful way. He even uses the word grace. And grace is not just like some feeling. Grace is, in this context, is something that you can breathe in. It totally encompasses you. Paul's saying, this is what it looks like to be human. Then he moves on. So we have these wide open spaces, all this beauty, all this freedom, all this liberation. And then he goes to pain. Then he goes to suffering. Which is interesting because when I think about, like, uh, the door's always open. There's these fields. There's this wildness. There's these mountains. It's all this beautiful stuff. And he's like, and by the way, right, right on the back of that, like, there's going to be deep suffering. There's going to be deep pain. And it's not like when you get through the pain. It's not like if you can just avoid the pain. It's in the midst of real life there's going to be pain. Why? Because this is also what it means to be human. It does, it's not the devil, right, that you have a tummy ache, Kyle, right? It might be that you ate, like, two boxes of dots. It's not the devil that I have shoulder pain. I have shoulder pain because uh, I'm really old. I turned 41 on Thursday. Right? Right? Uh, I have shoulder pain because I don't stretch, I don't drink water, and I believe I can lift anything in this world just by like, <laughs> like I'm building a sauna, and I'm like, or sauna, sorry, sorry, ESCO people. Right? And, uh, and I'm, I'm like putting my body in weird positions, and I'm still trying to use a nail gun that doesn't fit. And so... That's not, it's not the devil. It's, I'm, I'm a moron most of the time, right? So pain is a part of life. And what Paul is saying is in this beautiful, wide open, wild place, there, you don't get to escape real life. You don't get to escape pain. And like, but he says, but if you're aware of the pain, if you're present with this pain, then there can be this transformation that builds patience, that builds this virtue, that builds character, that leads to this hope. In Taoism, Taoism, um, I was reading about how they, you can either, <laughs> life can be like um, in the ocean, it can be in a lake of where we think of ourselves as these rocks and the waves come and hit it. We're like, oh, I can take this wave, oh, I am strong, man. Wave after wave, and you're like, I can withstand it. 
because I got this, right? But after a while, even if you're strong, it's going to erode you away a little bit by a little bit, right? And what Taoism said, it says, instead of being the rock, be the duck. Be on the water. Roll with the water. You can, you can move with it. You can sense it. You don't get to escape it, but you don't have to let it hit you over and over. You can ride with that pain. You can ride with that suffering, right? And I love that. I, I tell myself, like, just be the duck. Be the duck, man. You got this. Be the duck, <laughs> right? So if we're willing to participate in that pain, it really then can transform us into something better. And the reason I like it is that it all belongs, so we can be in the wilderness, we can be in these wild places, and <laughs> we can experience pain, and you can like have it happen, and maybe after a while you're like, I'm gonna be the duck. This pastor said I'm supposed to be the duck. And you be the duck a couple 13, 14 times, and you're like, I'm sick of the duck. And you begin to look back, right? Because you're in pain, and you can still make out that room. You can still make out that door. And I mean, I've done this uh, plenty of times. And I start thinking about that room. I'm like, hey, man, in that room, that wasn't so bad. Right? In there, I knew where things began. I knew where they ended. In that room, I had all the answers. In that room, right, I got some pretty good sleep. Right? In that room, I didn't have to worry about these questions. I didn't have to worry about climate change. I didn't have to worry about this theological idea. I didn't have to worry about school board meetings. I could just, like, exist. I had certainty. And certainty is um, intoxicating. Right? When you feel you had, or maybe you feel like you still have all the answers, at least for me, when I felt like I knew all the right things, it felt really, really good. And when we're in pain and the wildness feels a little too wild, right, we want to go back. Like, I was thinking, if you have young kids or you have niece and nephews or you have, like, maybe you, you help you influence kids in your life, there's some intimidation about being in the wilderness. For myself, yes, but in the wild... And they're like, you're, you're going to go down this trail, you're going to head over this way. It's intimidating having kids. Because like, what if, in that wildness, what if those kids decide to go down that trail? And you're like, no, 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 no. You have to do this. I can influence my kids. I can teach my kids. I can um, help my kids have some positive experience. But in the wildness, they can go wherever they want. And for me, when I was a kid, and <laughs> not saying this about my, my parents, Whenever I say something about as a kid and my parents in the room, I'm not blaming you. I just want to like put that, put that out. Everyone's going to be like, these horrible parents. No. Um, but when I was a kid, right, it was, there was, I was indoctrinated on several things, right? I don't think that's necessarily always bad. But I was told this is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is what belongs. This is what doesn't belong. This is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be a woman. This is what love looks like. This is what God is. This is what God does. This is what God approves. All those things. And really, that helps construct that safe little room of where you have all the right answers. And there's a temptation. My partner and I have talked often of, like, like, are we screwing our kids up? Like, are we screwing our kids up about, like, what we think about God or what we think about what beauty is or what it means to belong? Because it feels a little scary because we're telling them this is who we see Christ as. This is what it looks like to show up in the world. And there's other things that we're letting them define themselves. And there's times where I'm like, hey, I had to suffer. Get back in that room, <laughs> right? I'm going to take you. You can go over here, and you can have your own trauma when, you, when, you, when you're walking through your 30s. It's a little more intimidating. It's a little more riskier to let your kids have agency over their minds, have agency over their bodies, have agency over how they want to move. It's really scary. But we don't need to go back. And this is where I end. During COVID, well, still COVID, <laughs> right, in pandemic, 
Um, it was hard for a lot of reasons, for um, obvious reasons for all of us. But it's easy when you're in that space, when you're in that room that you've constructed to feel like you're isolated or you're unique to this pain. Um, I've had a chance to connect with some more pastors. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, I've been talking about, like, hey, what's church like? And met with several people. And um, it's, it's hard. It's hard right now. Like, many jobs, doing school, right, <laughs> middle school. Um, it's just difficult, and it's easy when I'm in that space to think I'm unique to this pain. And when I live in that closet, when I live in that room, I can like have a little poo-poo party and say I'm the only one. And what I've learned is that it's really hard for everybody. I'm not some, the only individual that wants to go to bed at 4 p.m., right? <laughs> Nate, Nate texts me uh, Friday, and he's like, hey, do you like hot sauce? I'm like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> like, Friday night, people are like, let's go have fun. I'm like, let's go to bed, right? Um, and it's like around 4 p.m., really. I'm like, I could really just shut it all down right now and go to bed. And I, that's like I lost a gear is what I feel like. I do. I feel like my overdrive um, is just gone. And there's some things I got excited about. There's some things I felt easy to do that now feel it takes a lot more effort to engage um, or to do. And what I've learned from not just connecting with other pastors but hearing other people's stories is that my pain is not unique. Like, we all are experiencing some sort of pain or anxiety, um, uh, worry, physical, <laughs> maybe your right shoulder hurts too, right? We're not alone. What would it look like if we could be in these wide open spaces and not just keep our head down? What if we could actually do this together? As you're in this wilderness and as we're going along these paths, we can come alongside one another and encourage one another. As you begin to, like, turn around and start walking towards that door, Instead of shaming them, like, you don't need that door, what if we walk with people as they're trying to work their stuff out? What if we go knock on, this is not literal, I'm not going to say, let's go knock on door evangelism yet, Janine, right? So, like, what, what, if, what if we really could go to people we love when we know that they're in that room? We can knock on doors, invite people to come out and play, invite people to come out and, like, exist and move in this wild, beautiful space. So, here's my encouragement. If you are in the wilderness and you're loving it, if you're in the wilderness and you're the duck and you're riding the waves, right, and you're exhausted, if you're headed back towards that door or if you're in behind that door questioning what's on the other side of that, you are not alone. You are deeply loved. And you are good. I had the, um, the honor to speak to the, um, a football team who was going back to Aitken for the first time. And the last time they were there, they had one of their players um, um, fall over, and they ended up passing away, a student. And for all the obvious reasons, it was horribly traumatic. It was really, really, um, <clears throat> it was really hard. And at the time, I didn't even know the family. I was just like some guy. Um, and so the coach asked me to come the night before they went back to Aitken. And there were several kids there, or several young men there. And what I was um, trying to tell them was the same idea, that you are good. That kids feel, people feel in the grief. I feel um, bad because I don't feel bad enough. I feel bad because I feel super, super bad. I feel bad because I want to win a football game. I feel bad because I don't care about this football game. I feel bad because how do I um, show everyone that I'm a really, really good person? Grief especially for students, is super, super, super messy. And what I told them, and what we're going to practice in a little bit, 
Because I told them, when you walk on that field or you walk around, remind yourself of this, that I'm enough for God. In this breath, in this space, I'm enough. And God's enough for me. And I wish that prayer, I speak that prayer over you as well. So let's stand, if you don't mind. I'm going to sit. I should stand too, since I'm asking you to stand. (laughs) I say this prayer um, all the time. time. Stand if you're able to, if you don't want to. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Right? Um, What you don't have to do is something that I do um, is I, I close my eyes. Especially when I feel anxiety, especially when I feel that, that shame of the gospel of if and when. I put my hand on my chest and I say, I'm enough for God. God's enough for me. I'm enough for God. God's enough for me. So God, we love you. And I thank you that that door's always been open. I pray for my friends here, online, who are listening, a podcast, that wherever we're in the wild, we're in the room, all that belongs. And you give us what we need, where we receive what you've always given us, that deep sense of love, that deep goodness, that deep sense of belonging. And that we can move through pain, we can move through joy, we can move through grief. And nothing can take that love away from us. So, God, thank you that I'm enough for you, and you're enough for me. Amen. All right. Well, friends, thank you for coming to Neighborhood Church. We're going to put some music on. Feel free to get some coffee and enjoy the rest of your weekend.